Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 168 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Ben Moss Woodward, and you know, as everyone who's been listening to the pre—I don't want to call it show because it's not show—everyone who's been listening to us scrabbling behind and trying to get everything up and running will have heard we are joined. As ever, by the inevitable psycho cow, Grant Walcott. Yay! He made it! Good evening. Yes, I made it. I made it eventually. Sorry, guys. And we we have a lovely ringer with us this evening who's dialing in from somewhere in the backs of beyond, probably. The intrepid explorer, commander, and I'm going to murder your name here, Shan. Shaneri? Yeah, that's pretty close. The reason yeah. why... Uh, called Chan is Shaneri sounds odd being called it and Shan is a lot easier to say so the chat is fine yeah so it, should it be Shaneri or Shanerai or um just Shan is fine Sh- Shaneri is the character's name uh, right. Shan is the name out of character if you sort of yeah <laughs> yeah Shan is you so um we are, or at least I will be, and I bl- are you going to leave, Shan? Uh, no, I'm currently in the middle of the community goal, uh, okay. the combat one, waiting to uh, see if I'm still in the top percent or not. Ooh. Yeah, well, I will be outside of Lave Station in a couple of minutes, as you folks on Twitch can see. No, Shan is not a Shannon, as far as I'm aware. Actually, I've met you, Shan, so I know you're not a Shannon. Um, no, just just Shan. Just a Shan. Are you anywhere, Grant? Are you on the Xbox or the PlayStation? Or um, I well, I I've been setting up today and trying to get back into getting my permit for the Van Man and Star. So I'm currently out doing missions to that effect and failing miserably. The, the Mad Monks. The Mad Monks, just so that I can. I mean, technically. It it belongs to the truckers. I should be allowed in, but I I realised very quickly when I went to jump into Van Man and Star that I managed to get the permit on the Xbox, not the PC, um, I, which I, led to an embarrassment. I've heard that getting the permit for Van Man and Star involves doing things to Hobo Mallow, though this might be rumour. That's the that yeah that's that's the route I didn't fancy going. Right, uh, yeah, it might involve him doing a cross between both his Mad Monk and his diaper. Uh, yeah. i tell you what, I've got an issue. Um, I'm at a station, mm-hmm. and I cannot cash in my mission. Hmm. Are you meant to be able to cash in your mission? Well, it's for here, but when I go to the mission board, it doesn't appear. Maybe the faction it was for isn't represented. Has walked out the door. No, we've got to keep it in rhyme now. So the faction it's for has walked out the door. That would be crap if it was to be that. That was a poor rhyme. (laughs) That was a poor rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't a passenger mission, was it? No, no, I was to deliver uh, 28 units of reactive armour. Maybe I've lost one. Maybe I sold Have them. you only got 27 or something? Uh, yeah, good suggestion from <laughs> Lennon is, have you got room to accept your reward? Uh, it would seem that I've possibly sold them. 
<laughs> That's your problem there, then. Right, where did I, where did I lose them? <laughs> They've not fallen oh, out your cargo bay or something. <laughs> something very strange is going on. 20 tons is a bit big to fall behind the sofa, isn't it, though? Yeah, I'll, I'll see the customs guys will find it, whatever <laughs> I've hidden it. Uh, them bloody dockers, eh? Ah, uh, uh, well, yeah. Oops. Right, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a couple of weeks because we couldn't make it on last week due to icky, horrible real-life situations and disease, plague, famine, pestilence, death and things like that. But what have you been up to, Grant? Um, I've had oh crikey, it's just you know more of the the same nonsense. Um, bathrooms, which has been you know we're making progress. In fact, today um, Simuf was down at our old house ripping it to shreds um, while he was waiting for deliveries. But you know that way, it, it just couldn't possibly be simple and straightforward. You know, you're expecting a delivery today between eight and eight, so. We've had the one delivery arrived, bang on eight this morning, about ten past eight, which is unfortunate because they did say that it wouldn't be there until after nine, which is when we'd arranged for Simon to get there. Um, but no matter, I was near enough, so I got that one. It was big and heavy and a pain in the arse, but I got it in, um, and that was That's great. what she said. Yeah, and um, so that was good. So then I left Simon down there ripping the bathroom out and doing tiles and stuff and things like that um, and we waited for the next delivery now by about half past three nothing, no word so we thought well give them a quick ring make sure everything's a-okay with the, the delivery and um, the lady's like um, I'll just check in with the courier uh, I'll call you back in a minute and she called me back about 10 well she called me back two seconds later and said oops sorry I've just phoned you straight back when I meant to phone the courier um, <laughs> which was unfortunate but they eventually got them and said yeah he's due to be with you in the next half hour and I thought brilliant so we went out and we stood at the front of the house um, while we waited for them to appear only for them not to appear and chased up and they said, oh, yeah, the courier says he's... Well, no, I got a phone call from them. The courier said he's at the front of your house and there's nobody in. I'm guessing uh, wrong address. Uh, right. So well, we're at the front of the house and we've not seen anybody, you know. We're not exactly not noticeable, seeing as we're standing in the middle of the pathway to the house. Anyway, it's like it, it comes down to this courier then tells them after they gave me the, my mobile number that they tried to phone me, which they didn't. And at this point, we know we're not getting the product today. Ah. So, yeah, another, the another delivery the driver pop. that feels that can't just be honest and say, I've either missed you or I've got lost or I couldn't get parked or just say, I'm not coming today. So, typical pain in the arse. So yeah, the the saga the saga is continuing and um, is getting really really frustrating. You really don't have any luck with you. Is this a different company for your bathroom, or is this the same company? No, different company. I mean, if you if you if you really, I mean, there's another another company that we got in touch with, and they were going to send out a damp specialist for an issue we have at the property, and we actually were waiting for this guy to turn up, and he turned up at the main street and went. I just saw you guys standing there and remembered that I didn't actually book him. Um, what I'll do is I'll get back to the office and I'll email you. And we'll rebook it. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was two weeks. 
two weeks ago. It just seems to be an inherent uh, issue with building trade that they are just unreliable. And when you find one that you can rely on, because we've got a number of friends that are builders, etc. But they're not they're not suppliers. The issue seems to be that the suppliers either have problems because they're using too cheap a courier, or they take too long to get things to you. It's just a pain in the arse. It really is. So that was that, and then other than that, in game, absolutely hee haw. Yeah. I have yeah, chance got, to play. I've got, I did get best I- I've got the best ideas for your bathroom. Why don't you yeah. just get some bin bags, stick up on the wall, that'll waterproof it, alright? Yeah, maybe a bit of gaffer right. tape. Bit of gaffer tape. And then just call it good. Right. Just cut a hole in the cut a hole in the floor. Aye, the just get the, the just get the, get the get the bucket going right out of the, out the door. It's just, it, is, it is it is absolutely hi Shan as well. Hello Shan, did you talk to you much before <laughs> the chaos? Um, it is just absolutely frustratingly heartbreakingly annoying and mm. this is you know part of the reasons why we brought my brother on was to sort of handle this nonsense because if it was just me and my own I'd have given up by now you know I'd have just walked away and like, it's not happening because I just can't handle this continual yeah. if, if you have to pay once and phone 16 times in order to get your product it wasn't worth paying for and that's you know where I would beginning to be lose the will to live but um, that bathroom's going to be done and, and something to take up my time when I get a few minutes spare is the XCOM new downloadable content for XCOM 2 has anyone anyone tried that? I haven't, no, no. are you XCOM 2 players? I've played XCOM 1 but I haven't played any XCOM 2 because I didn't actually finish XCOM 1 oh, okay, well, is it? I'm an XCOM 2 virgin Okay, it is different. Um, it is a little bit more unforgiving, and the aliens are. It's more unforgiving than XCOM One because XCOM One's yes. pretty damn unforgiving. It's horrifically unforgiving, and now the downloadable content brings in even more stuff to ruin your coffee and to oh, piss in your cornflakes. Um, the the best of being a kind of uh, if you can imagine playing a game where the zombie hordes are coming in at you, and you have to reload it in amongst turns. And there's more than, you know... Well, I think in one mission mm-hmm. I killed over 40 of them. That is, that is the level of fun that it brings. And you know what? It's awesome. And they oh, brought in a buddy, a buddy system so that guys that are on missions together frequently can form a kind of bond. And that bond allows them to play off each other and they get bonuses when they're out on missions together. Can I um, assume... Do they also yeah. really get pissed off if t'other one dies? I would imagine they'd be quite... I don't know, I've not done that to them yet, but I imagine there'll be some kind of negative uh, feedback. But it certainly seems to be a lot of things like that. And then if you remember the rescue missions, where you would arrive and there'd be people to rescue, you'd have to send a soldier to stand in the radius, and then the wee guy would go, hey, and then run off. For whatever reason, he couldn't see you across the room. And you're thinking all the time, this is a rebel camp. Where's the guns? Where's the help? Now that's there. There's more collections of them, and they're armed, so they fight as much as you fight. But of course, that just means that the game amps up the aliens. See, I quite like the sound of that, because it sounds hard, and without sounding too much of a granddad or something, games are a bit easy these days, and a bit pandering. I like yeah, hard he's... stuff. <laughs> Someone hand him a Zimmer frame. He just became a forum dad. Oh, too late for that. <laughs> forum granddad by the sound of it. 
who's your audience for this show? Yeah, but yeah, it's it's kind of like, I, I like I, I just like difficult games that really make you think and get involved rather than just oh dear, you died. Restart from checkpoint two minutes ago. Well, you see, I think you know the, the sort of the the roguelike element of XCOM Two with the fact that people die and that you know get them back, but you can kind of reload your last save point. It allows you to try different because I think the game is too unforgiving in order to let you just hammer your way through it without any chance of going back and retrying that mission. I think that's somewhere where they could even make it a little bit better and have the kind of retry mission option um, halfway through when you realise that you're screwed rather than forcing you to watch your last guy get eaten. Although, you know, I don't know if, you, if you've played XCOM 1, have you been at that stage in a mission where you get your guy to fire a gun and he misses, so you get the next guy to take the shot and they miss, and then the third guy shoots and he misses, at which point you go you know what guys you can flip an OL all die I hope they eat you I hope they find your knowledge and they go and eat the rest of your families too because you guys can shoot for shit do any of you I, that I, I've of been to the stage where they've missed and missed and missed but I still cared too much about you know keeping my guys alive See, when that happened um, to me, I thought they'd just been the stormtrooper training college. <laughs> oh, it's just so frustrating, especially when the target's standing right freaking well next yes. to them. Yeah. yeah, I was like, Craig, if you dropped your gun, you'd have hit them. <laughs> that sounds, yeah. Um, I, I know there was... Oh, I had a mission where I was basically running along a... Like an underground... A tube car or something like that, or a train car. And, you know, all the aliens were in the train car, and I was in the train car, I had shotguns in their faces, and everything was missing, and I just... I, I think I just rage quit rather than let them get eaten. Um, yeah. Yeah. It gets, it gets to you, but again, I think that just demonstrates the fact that, you know, it's a good game. Um, but, just, you know, I'm going to come on to Shannon in a couple of minutes, but talking about that... Um, hopefully, not this Friday, but next Friday, I should be seeing Julian Gallup at EGX because he's going to be there talking XCOM, Phoenix Point, and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, I mean, if you've not had a look at Phoenix Point, it's a. Uh, if you liked Chaos Reborn because it, was a, it wasn't a random chance of how many points of damage you did to something, it wasn't like you had to chip away, it was either hit and kill or miss. Uh, and then you've got the likes of XCOM, which has the mixture of a chance of hitting and then a chance of the level of damage you want. Phoenix Point is a different kind of mechanism as well, where it's kind of like you will hit it and you will deal that level of damage, but there'll be a counteraction, and therefore you have to consider who you send in, how you attack more carefully. So it's a definitely slightly different way and looks fantastic. So. That yeah, I'll look forward to hearing your report back from... Uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm, I'm hoping Alan will be able to score me an interview with Julian Gallup, but I've not heard one, be, one about that one way or the other yet. Oh, Alan's out celebrating Karen's birthday party, so many happy returns to yeah, Karen. happy birthday, Karen. Uh, right, anyway, Shan, you're, you're with us as well. Tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Okay, um... I guess you could call me a long-term Elite fan, really. Um, I first saw Elite back in 1984 
on my cousin was playing on their electron and the only um the only thing i remember about it was it was just there i was in a spaceship i was just away with the stars and it's kind of been my game ever since so after i've uh, finished elite on the uh, spectrum bbc pc um i then went into mmos sorry i'm getting a lot of hiss at the moment um might be me, might be Grant, don't know, might be something oh, right. else. Okay. Oh, that's better, the hiss is gone. So, yeah, so I, I then started uh, playing MMOs, got seriously into Guild Wars 1, uh, played about 18,000 hours in Guild Wars 1, um, and kind of did the rounds, really, until I found out about Elite Dangerous, and have kind of been stuck here ever since. Um, people have asked me a little bit about where I got the character name from, Shinari or Shan, Um Nothing interesting for that. I was just looking for a character name for a character in Guild Wars 1 and uh, went to a random name generator. And that's the one it chose. <laughs> okay, so literally just ran pure random Factoria. Yeah, blooming RNGesus again. Yeah, so yeah. it was just the, uh, the, the, the hissing seemed to... Uh, Around out what I was saying, the longer I talked, which could okay. be a hint. Oh. You're coming through nice and clear, so don't worry about it. We can hear you nice and clear. <laughs> okay. Hopefully, um, well, as far end. as I'm concerned, I don't yeah. know. It's Ben's. And it's it's, it sounds clear at my end as well. Are you recording too, just in case, Grant? Please tell me you're recording too, just in case, Grant. I'm I'm recording your feed. Okay, well that's probably maybe good enough. I have no idea. Um, let me just, let me just, let me just, um, how do I divert that to my ears? I can't remember now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do, here. Oh. Is it going to be good enough? That is the question. We don't know. It's, the stream saying it's loud and clear. Hope, hopefully the audio people will be able to hear this as well, so yay. And there's no good, not going to be any hissing for them. Oh, good, yeah. Yeah, so that, that kind of made me worried. So... It sounded you were often the community goal, so I know you do a fair amount of. Do you actually do PvP as well, or are you mainly into your PvE stuff? I have a PvP account, um, right. which is which which is called Shenanigans or Shenanigans. <laughs> yes, um, which I frequently use to do Shenanigans. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I just I just like to be able to differentiate. Between my goody goody two shoes commander and someone a bit more nefarious. Yeah. And I'm also trying to keep the number of rebuys down on my main account, so it isn't very conducive to PvP. <laughs> Probably not so much, I'd imagine, no. Um, uh, the streams. This is. Oh, I'm not going to worry about that. The streams may be looking a bit jerky, I'm not sure. Well, you're it's doing a little, you're looking okay on my okay. on my session. Yes, I do, I do a bit of everything really yeah. in Italy. Um I know we brought you on because I know you've travelled a fair amount around the galaxy and things like that. But I also know from just flying with you that you've got a rather powerful uh, Corvette, if I remember correctly. Yes, I've um, in game stuff really. I've uh, been. Elite Combat since about March 2015. Um, so I've got all the engineers. Basically, um, there's not a lot in the game I haven't attempted in some shape or form. 
whether you regard that as success or not, I guess is your people your own view. But I, I like to think I've done quite well. And I mean, I know obviously you know. We, we we did have fun the other night, you and I. Well, you, I, I actually no. Let's let's rephrase this. You so back when the beta was on, you were really really nasty to me, and you used and abused me the other night with with mm, thought, No, with that cheese. was Peter Chan. Peter <laughs> Chan doesn't count. Peter, Peter Chan is. You never trust Peter Chan. But yes, I, I did. I noticed that. I did that. use you. I, I, yeah. I did use you to lure a uh, certain person whose initial start with T and, and second word J into a trap yes yes I, I did fail very used and abused there where you know you were telling telling me oh just you know I want to show TJ something him and you know because I'm obviously I'm, I'm nice and I'm trustworthy whereas Beta Shad is evil and I'm just naive come, yeah. hey, TJ come to this anarchy system where you'll be perfectly safe honest I, I, I mean, I felt really bad for poor TJ, even though you'd, you didn't quite kill him, did you? I deliberately um, left you, him. You left him no stranded. Trusters, no, friendship, <laughs> no friendship drive. Yes. Barely any hull. And, yeah. you know, but, I didn't kill him. Yeah, but what happens in, what happens in beta stays in beta. I mean, I know there's been oh, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, remember the last beta where we were... Yeah, we were being asked to test... Was it crime and punishment or something like that you were, we were being asked to basically be horrible PvPers and player killers yep um, all around the base and you know okay well myself and a couple of other commanders went in and we you know we did some reverse piracy and you know the amount of grief I got for it even though that's what Frontier had asked us to do it's just like guys you know this is what we're meant to be doing it's beta, it doesn't care, it's all wiped at the end of the session anyway, yeah. so what does it matter, you know? Uh, so, I yeah, just, I that, that's, just... that's why I'm naughty in beta on, on the channel. It doesn't matter. No, indeed. Right. Uh, do you guys want to talk about Sandy's upcoming Federation changes and changes to beta, to bounties and power play? Um, I mean, is I'm assuming this is something that you've read about Shan, and I don't know if you've done much power play stuff. I've done some power play. Um, I sort of stopped after I got all the goodies, after which I think is the the same for most uh, power play people. Um, yeah, it's quite an interesting change where you make a if you are not allied to a power, but are within the same superpower. You are immune, if you like, to the rebuy-sized bounties. It's quite an interesting idea. Not a hundred percent sure personally if it's the way to go, because I thought power play was like, well, if you're Ashley Duval, then you're competing with uh, Petraeus. So yeah. why would the two conspire with each other just to kind of, you know, let let you off fines and bounties? So, but then again, people do do power play and are heavily involved in that PvP side of power play, I can see why they'd want it a bit more lenient. Yeah, I mean, I know, you know, the the limited power play I've done, and I felt really kind of abused, basically. It's like, you know, I'm sitting here in supposedly our home system, and I'm getting penalised for killing somebody who's trying to undermine us. 
why are, you know you guys should be thanking me but you're you're not even doing that you're just you know you're you're giving me bounties and all this kind of nasty stuff and it did kind of make me think what's going off here um but oh, somebody's just gone boom um I mean, I think after our, our recent battle in, in Lave Station, right? So a number of commanders are running some, you know, guerrilla tactics and taking out the system authorities and hammering the controlling factions and ships. Well, just downright dirty piracy and, and racking up some large bounties. Had we succeeded in flipping the system and taking the station, those bounties would still be there, but they wouldn't be actually relevant anymore. Um, so it kind of make sense that if you are working for the controlling power in that system that you it would make sense for you to be immune if you're attacking enemy ships to defend um, it would make sense so that kind of makes sense kind of sort of maybe yeah yeah I think it's one of those things where Frontier or give it a go and then change it if it's not working out properly because I think the gap we've got between 2.4 and whatever happens in 3 gives Frontier a chance to relook at the mechanics they're introducing in 2.4 and revise them again in 3 you see what I mean yeah and that's, I mean, that's part of the whole interim 2.4 slash 2.3 period is that they, they've already said they want to basically go through and revisit all of their stuff, uh, and we'll see what that obviously brings. But do you not think it make, it kind of makes sense that if you're working in your power uh, your power controlled areas, that you should be immune to? It depends where they want to kind of put the fiction for the powers. If they want to put it above the law, then it would make perfect sense that you could travel throughout your powers territory performing acts against enemies and alike uh, without with impunity because you're acting in the interests of your power. So it kind of oh. makes sense. Okay, I mean, putting it into... So your yeah. power would then trump the Pilots Federation? Yeah, this, that's the... Again, it all depends where they want to put that mm. in the... If they want to put it above the law, then that makes perfect sense. Or um, at least, you know, because it, it, that's probably the biggest disconnect with power play, isn't it? Is where does that fit in? We've got the characters, we've got their interactions in Galnet and use with each other, but how do they interact with the minor factions who are in controller systems? What you're doing is creating a kind of level, and I think if you're going to do that, then... Um, <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, it, uh, is it going to, the one thing that we hate about power play is you fly into that system and you get ganked because, and that's it, there's no reason. If you don't engage in power play, I don't think I've had much issue. So if I pick a power and it happens to be the wrong one and then I fly into a system, I'm dead within seconds, no warning, my own fault. But I don't think there's an issue to be fixed there that isn't actually covered. I'm not sure how bad the bounties are. Anyone in Twitch chat that is in the power play and can maybe explain the thinking behind this, what they're trying to solve? Because I think, you know, it makes sense in that sense where you know, I could fly around with impunity, hello, I'm a big dog in a little pond, but you're then putting the powers way above the system authority, which is, you know, is that's fair enough if that's what you want to go for. But isn't you know normally these things solve problems or um, encourage the correct style of play? But I don't think is very much power play is very good for not attacking people who are not engaged in power play. 
already. I'm kind of seeing it, maybe if you think about sort of modern day stuff that, yeah, okay, so America's a power, and, you know, if they're, they have agents maybe out doing slightly naughty things, but they, you know, they'll get disavowed if they get busted, wouldn't they? Well, yeah, if they got caught, they would be, you know, they would, depending what they're up to, but that's if they were in enemy territory. Mm. Uh, well, if, well, also, if they were in Britain, though, you know, they, you know, if they got, depending on what would happen, they would, depending on everything, you know, they, they, they'd get expelled at the very least and, you know, a slap on the wrist, and we'd expect some kind of favour in return. Works, uh, maybe it works a little bit like the superpower is like NATO, mm. and the individual factions are like the countries within NATO. Yeah. T. Corkins asking, "What's power play?" <laughs> well, that's kind of my my approach to it as well. I have to admit, but is it just does it does does this solve a problem that do power play people have issues with you know gaining large um, bounties? You know what? That's where it's going to be, isn't it? They've got a large bounty in their system from shooting down enemy ships, and when they go to dock in their controlled systems to be able to do the reinforcements, they could find themselves getting banned from that station. Is that what's happening, power players? Uh, that is the that is the thing it's trying to address. I think the the issue was in the first beta where if you killed a player from another power, you then incurred whatever rebuy was of the ship you killed them with. So yeah. if you kill them in a Corvette with a sort of 20, 30, 40 million credit rebuy, you might be doing perfectly a good job as far as your power is concerned, but as far as the station is concerned, you are scum and deserve to get blown up. And it's going to be very, very costly indeed. So yeah, that, that's that's obviously the issue. But um, I don't know. I think it's okay. I think it's you know, it kind of makes sense to me that you should be able to go through your home territory and be pretty much exempt to anything apart from um, you know, murder or pir piracy. But if it's actions for your faction or defending it, then it should be fine. Much the same as the background sim is as well. Um, which is something I really like is the fact that you can be in a system and be wanted at three of the different ports and you can be completely fine because the controlling faction's your buddy. Until you try and dock. Well, no, as long as you're docking at your main station yeah. it's owned by your main faction, it's fine. Yeah. I, quite, I quite like that kind of... Uh, that duality of uh, of your criminal status that really does come back down to the letter of mark the idea that we were sold way way back in the kickstarter that you're carrying out actions for mm -hmm. a particular faction and therefore you are um hailed as a hero to them hell yeah. mend it if yeah. it flips the system <laughs> when you're not there for a week or two and you come back going i am oh my god <laughs> yes or well, you, you know you go off on holiday and suddenly find out you're at war yeah, well, exactly. You have to excuse <laughs> us with because we are very uh, inexperienced of power play, and I'm not sure, Sean, if you've uh, Shan, sorry, if you've had much uh, power play experience yourself. Uh, I've tended to get involved only when I've needed a module, so it's not something I routinely do. Um, because personally, I found the um, merit decay mechanic a bit too much, a bit too grindy for me personally. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've okay. always been, I've always preferred the BGS side of life rather than the power play side of life myself as well. You know, just like you, Grant. But one thing, you know how you're saying you don't know how the powers, let alone the superpowers, 
relate to well what's going on in the story in the pilots federation and things like that and i mean i might be wrong here but i i kind of if to me the storyline feels like the power behind the power as it were is starting to assert its authority with the creation of you know, those things, for example, in the Formidine Rift. Um, Aegis. Well, and Aegis and stuff like that, exactly. Um, you know, and the, the, well, I, the potential Thargoid threat that's coming, you know, and it definitely feels to me like somebody's been keeping their eyes open and trying to set things up just in case. And now they're starting to write children, behave yourselves. Yeah, we've got to pull our socks Are Thargoids going to be a new colour of jelly to add to the space jelly that is powerful? I wouldn't be surprised if they were. I but then, not. you know, how are you going to deliver pamphlets for them? Well, you won't, but well, they'll, be, they'll be delivering their own form of pamphlet, pamphlets. <laughs> that I'm going to turn coat at the first sign of trouble, but how do, how do, how do I sign up to their team? <laughs> I think you join the Alliance, don't you? <laughs> I shouldn't say that, should I? <laughs> um, but no, I wouldn't be massively surprised if. And this all depends what Frontier is going to be doing with Powerplay, you know. But I definitely think there is going to become Thargoid-controlled space or something like that. And I definitely think they're going to be saying hi. It's a similar mechanic, if it is going to how it worked, to how other MMOs have done it. You know, like, where you get a faction, say, Horde or Alliance or whatever it is, by actions of the players, it intrudes into the other's territory and it then becomes a to-and-fro territory as players compete the space. But usually, if you have that mechanic, you usually have three factions, not two factions, because with two, it just becomes an either-or. With a third you then stop a dominance of a single faction. So if it is a power play style mechanic and it's humans and Thargoids, well, who's the third one? The Guardians. <laughs> TJ. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised that the yeah. Guardians could, could be it. Sorry, I did, I did have something controversial to throw in there. Oh, come on. What? Don't let it stop you now, Grant. Well, the third faction could have been the DDF with their god like. <laughs> Did you actually sign up at the DDF level, Shan? Are you one of those former oh, gods I, or current I, gods I, or whatever the I, hell they are? I, I didn't know because I only found out about it to my shame later on, what's it, August 2014, I think I signed up. So I, I missed all the fun. Oh, that's a shame, man. Obviously, it was it was it it served its purpose. It did its time, and it was a wonderful uh, insight to game development. And I think it gave people a real flavour of how these would be fleshed out. Not quite what came to fruition in a number of cases, but um, that's not to say that what's come out has been better. And it's not to say that you know what was discussed could have been better. It's all down to the issues of reality, really, isn't it? When they bite. Oh, that's always the case, isn't it? But promised the, the, I think that's possibly one of the biggest kind of pledge issues when you pledge something and then as the game develops you realise that what you kind of promised is just not practical anymore. God like maybe, that. You imagine? Maybe, what they, maybe what they should have done is sold ships worth £3,000 or something in advance. Fish tanks. What, um, what kind of company would do that? I've got no I've, idea. 
I've got a Jameson commander name, but I've got no way of using it. Not only that, but couldn't you just make yourself a commander called Cow Jameson, and nothing's going <laughs> to stop it now? Well, yes, but again, that's still in reserve at some point uh, offline mode, says Stephen Usher. <laughs> out of cubicle, all three. Yep, out there, lock. Out there, like with Mr. Usher. <laughs> but it's, um, you know, it's just one of those things where these things, as the game develops, you realise that you have developed in a direction that means that that's no longer realistic or helpful, in fact. So, um, Indeed, yes. The DDF became a bit of an anchor as well, and I did say anchor without the W. <laughs> I didn't. Know I wasn't even going there until you said that. Thanks, Grant. <laughs> Hashtag <Welcome>. red cow. <laughs> Cow's not TJ. Well, but it's still blue TJ. Um, so we had to obviously we had beta. I know you and I were doing some stuff and killing people in in beta. Shan. Oh yeah, okay, killing TJ. Did you get up to anything in the beta grant? Yes, I logged in. <laughs> Did you do any of the community goal to at least get your decal? Nope, I was fighting for Lave, like, you know, all good pilots do. Yeah. And not away in holiday like certain people were. I was out there in the trenches. <laughs> like, there's trenches in space. But in the trenches, I was there bleeding with our kin. Where were you? On a beach. I was in Greece. Damn right I were. <laughs> and I enjoyed every minute of it. I, I thought of you. Um, and, I, you know, I, I touched base at well, 8 in the morning, my time. So, yeah, six in the morning, your time, you know, while I was sitting by the pool, gently, you know, drinking sangrias and things, you know, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, right, well, I don't think, there's not really, is there anything we want to say about 2.4's beta? There's some quite nice surprises in it, though, because um, one, one of the things that kicked off in the previous version was the hollow me and the lack of long hair and there mm -hmm. is now long hair in hollow me yeah oh um actually i do want to say something that i saw in beta though i don't know if it's a beta thing and i saw we're getting sunglasses um, and in fact i believe that those commanders who went to fantasticon might have gotten some sunglasses while they were there I wasn't a Fantasticon, but yes, I believe eyewear was part of a code that was given away at Fantasticon. Mm -hmm. um, and I want a monocle! <laughs> Are you going to pay $75 for it? Yeah. Of course. I'll just wait. I'll just wait till they do the uh, wonderful fundraising for special effects at Christmas time, and they'll put an auction in, and it'll be you design your own body attire. And I'm going to go for the world's biggest freaking monocle. So you look like a Borg, will you? With the eye. Well, I, I think if at certain angles it look like I've got a gigantic halo. Um, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to angle it properly and be able to deflect the Thargoid rays. You need tinfoil for that, cow. Oh, balls. You could get yourself a tinfoil tin spacesuit, maybe. just not going to work. Tinfoil spacesuit? <laughs> That's, you're going to hear you coming from well. There's no ninjas in a tinfoil spacesuit. <laughs> well, I... Um, I, mean, I, well, I... 
I want a stick, man. I see. <laughs> or a skeleton. Oh, that would be that would be really quite funny. Give it give a spacesuit the wireframe skin, basically. That could that could <laughs> work. That could work very well. Um, and you know, as uh, Stephen Usher's saying, yes, we, we do indeed get the multiple saved character slot. Well, char- hollow me slots rather than multiple commander slots, sadly, which is something that yeah, I'm still bitter about. I think you know some of the the, the bits in 2.4 will actually enhance people's gameplay, but I think there's still desire for some more polish in some areas, and 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 again, it's just a case of. Play along, get involved in the forums, and get your suggestions in there and about to, you know what it is you think would make it better, rather than um, say, for example, creating a petition uh, without any clear goals or support. Um, what do you want for your dinner? I don't know. You tell me. Why would I tell mm-hmm. you what for your? Wait, what you're making is rubbish. Yeah, I know what I'm making is rubbish because you've not given me a clue of what the hell you want for your dinner. That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh. Well, as, as the wife would say, you're going to get shit for sugar on it. Wow, she's well, such a good. Usually, cook. the more ca- it's more the case of you tell me it's rubbish, but and then you tell me what you want changed, but it's wrapped up in so much hyperbole and illogic, it's completely irrelevant. It's a difficult thing because, as you know, everything is uh, subjective. So how you play the game is what you get back from it. Um, I find myself, you know, I, I jump from combat and bounties, uh, well, creating bounties, so that's technically piracy. I went from piracy uh, into a very expensive, uh, lost everything, and ended up back in a free sidewinder to doing the trade route, and then I did a little bit of exploring, and then I got heavily involved in the hunt and truckers, and there was tons of gameplay generated from that and then you hit a wee lull and you just kind of go um yeah i know and i was like that after i came back from my long exploration trip i was just completely jaded it's like i don't want to jump to another system again ever (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah i've just done 217,000 light years uh, and what started out as just a uh, shakedown trip to Obsidian Orbital, and I just didn't want to go exploring at all. But now I kind of get in the urge again. Yeah, Speaking about exploring, one of the key things that we are getting with 2.4 is improvements to the galaxy map with the, you know, tw- what was it 20,000 light year um, sort of range? We're getting. Um, are we going you, on? You, you, pardon, Grant? Going on to the main discussion rant. Oh, we're just talking, aren't we? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm ignoring all these show not things. I'm just thinking. Yeah, I'll just say this. We're being fluid. Yeah. Oh, you know, the major key points of two point four. Now, two point four, from what I'd seen, well, I did jump in, have a good look around, a good wee bit, but I didn't get involved in the community goal. But it was just a couple of wee fleets, and I watched a number of streams with Commander Human, uh, Fiery Toad, with DG Truth there. Um, I was really impressed with the Commander Human. He was doing all the exploration updates and things, uh, the massive route plots and things, which are brilliant to see, um, and. You know, it was nice to see these kind of updates. And as he's saying, there's injectable events and assets. Uh, he and he's got a whole replacement sound system. There's an awful lot in there, but will it flesh it out for those people that are searching for something to respark their ignition with Elite? Now, I will always be a huge Elite fan, and I know that I will take a wee drift away for a bit 
and then I'll come back to it with some kind of excuse that I will create, probably through hunting truckers, uh, probably through uh, leave when I create an event, and then suddenly your spark is back. I think the key to Elite Dangerous is having people to play with, and that exactly. is the biggest pool is the way that you can team up, go and do stuff together, and have a laugh. And that's what all games need. Without that, as a single player coming to Elite, I can imagine I'd be like, oh, well, maybe not quite as bad as I was with Eve, where you're just sitting there staring out there into the dark going, I kind of don't really want to go out there. <laughs> and that is definitely one of the things that appeals to me about Elite Dangerous, because it's not what I call a Tin Man game. You know, a Tin Man game is it's all mechanics with no heart. And Elite has a heart, which is a community, and that's why I keep coming back to it. It's not just the mechanics, it's the community. Yeah, and I mean, what I like about the community is, you know, is it's not just, you know, we all play Elite, but we also, we also do a load of other things as well, and, you know, we're generally nice people to talk to. I mean, I love... I've ne- I've no- I always love going to these community events like Elite Meets, uh, LaveCon, Fantasticon, Frontier Expo coming up. Yeah, and I know you know I've got off and I'm going to meet up with a couple of guys um, at EGX, and it's always nice just to to meet up and have a drink. Um, <laughs> or maybe that's just me showing my colours there. I'll do anything for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah, probably quite true. What drink can you just look at the charity events kicking off this week. We've got charities for the events in America, for the flooding, uh, for the earthquake in Mexico. The streamers and the community are out there. They're putting their time and their efforts into something that's got a real-world tangent, and they're using exactly, this universe yeah. that's brought people together to, to achieve their goals. I think it was that £3,000 was raised um, for elite aid uh, in, uh, over the weekend there, which is spectacular work, and Supported by the likes of Commander Human, Kate Click was in there, Play P, I think a lot of Hammers of Slow were involved, DJ Twist here. Um, I, I'm sorry, I didn't catch all of them, so I've missed a few there, and I'm not really sure who was taking part or who arranged it, but it was a spectacular indication of a community that's thriving, because a community that does well does things in the real world to bring this game into an importance that wouldn't otherwise happen. I mean, you don't really, and this is again probably because I'm outside of the communities, but, you know, Hello Kitty goes to the city. We've not seen a whole pile of uh, charity raising events by their player base. That's an extreme example, obviously. But it's a sign of a very strong community because not only are we looking after each other and having fun, we're taking that and we're applying it into the real world and we're doing good. And for anyone who works at Frontier, for anyone that's worked five seconds or even as much as that wonderful Michael Brooks has done, don't ever doubt your worth. Because of a game that you've made, the world is a better pers- a better, better place, literally. It is a better place. We've put thousands of special effects. We've put thousands into relief funds. Heart condition, you've got Andrew and Russell from the Hut and Truckers are going to do a 70-mile bike ride to raise money for the British Heart Foundation. It's amazing. And there's just examples of it everywhere. Think about how many people have named a planet or a star system after somebody they've lost and how willing Frontier are to have that happen. That's a community that is rich and very valuable and we should really cherish it and do our best to protect it. And people say there's nothing to do, eh? Yeah, well, I mean, there's so much to do outside the game. I mean, the nicest thing... 
from a, a founder of the Hutton Truckers. Um, the nicest thing is when the community takes up the helm from you. So you start something and other people carry it on. That's when you know the community's strong. So, you know, you're not, you know, nobody's replaceable. There's no squeaky, you know, squeaky wheels and such. But it's nice to know that what's created and what works will continue to work as people take up the cause and carry it on. We've got so many people involved in the truckers doing wonderful work. And when one of them goes down through ill health, somebody else steps up. It is beautiful to see. And I know there's an awful lot of other pair factions out there that are much the same and uh, that's I think you know testament to the community around us and of course there's always there's always the one it's usually me there's always one who has a good old moan a good old rant or or views that don't match our own and we all have a little bit of friction and then everyone agrees to disagree and moves on and that's what you know life requires a little bit of diversity so don't don't run them all out of town immediately I, yeah agree yeah Yes, and I'm, 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 I'm. Grant's just gushing all over the community again, isn't he? It's the best well, thing. Too, right, too. It's easily, <laughs> it's easily forgotten because we, you know, we see stuff about nerfs and war and all like that, and we so yeah. easy to forget, as as Grant said, that we have made a real difference to real people's lives, and you can't put a price on that. I just think you know, when a de- when a developer or you know if Ed's having a bad day or Michael Brooks is having a tough time, whatever happens, they just need to be reminded of what they've actually achieved in a game. And I think sometimes that you know it must be easy to forget that and to focus on the negative re- replies to you know you spent six months on something, you release it, and then the community turns their nose up at it. That must be heartbreaking. Yeah, I think they'll especially need that with two point four because I think. A lot of people are expecting 2.4 to happen all at once. It's so not they'll be going like, to. <laughs> yeah, so they'll be like, oh, where's my Thargoids? Where's my this? Where's my that? Just well, I think that's... Story release. Yeah, as... Um, oh, was it Stephen Usher was saying, you know, a lot of the work with 2.4 feels like it's it's setting up the tools to tell a story, I think. Um, at least that's what I'm hoping it's doing. It's setting up the tools to sell a story, and hopefully that'll be a good story, and hopefully we'll enjoy it. And it's all, yeah. I don't know if I want to throw it in the face, or yeah, at the very least, I want the story to let let me know, even if I'm out flying in the black, something's going off. So, do you think articles in Galnet are the same as having a story that you no. kind of? Fighting because it's very easy because we're talking about exploration stuff earlier on being in the black. Well, Galnet really is your only link if you're a colonial or if you're legal point or wherever you are. Galnet is kind of that link, and do you think there needs to be something more than Galnet to suck people in who are that to persuade people to come back from deep space to do stuff? Well, do you remember at the the opening stream that um, Ed did with a bunch of us, where and then all of a sudden, as soon as the alert went out, a bro- uh, basically an alert message went out across everyone who was logged in screen, saying they've returned the Thargoids or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and I think yep. okay, I, I think what they were actually using there was server admin tools to go ahead and do that, but. If I could say, 
fl- be flying in the vicinity, and by vicinity I mean, say, a 20 or 30 light year radius of a station that is getting attacked, I would love to get an alert message on screen saying, you know, help me, we're at Lave Station and the Thargoids are attacking us. Please come help. Well- I, I totally agree. I think I think also it should be more specific than that because there should be levels of which people get a no, you know a notification. If you're friendly or allied with the station, you should get a notification no matter where you are. Um, Damn if you, if it's a federal um, station and a federal system and a federal owned system, then any federal ranking uh, person should have a notification of being required you know and it should be a case of you know you should be shot if you don't turn up because that's treasonous uh, i might have taken that a bit far but you know i think this there's definitely fun to be had there maybe you can be deranked in the federation maybe they can take your um your cutter back <laughs> sorry i'm now thinking yeah lennon's just raised the point of yeah hutton's officer's response time in an hour and 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's 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 the special sort of side of things. I think you know that's where that's where there's a lot of things that don't make sense. Is how can I be top rank in the federal and top rank in the empire and not find myself conflicted to make decisions? You should be conflicted, and there should be ramifications for these things. And the Thargoids are the ultimate in the end result, aren't they? The ultimate enemy when they attack, you will be expected if you have a rank to turn up and to defend your. Uh, faction yeah i'm not well, sure there's much room to be a conscientious objector when the whole of humanity is at stake you know ah, you know federal interest then of course how's that going to interact with the um you know power play so would you want to see frontier play a more active gm role in the story or do you think they've done enough to have if you like a a more scripted over time approach I think, you know, one of the things um, that we were really excited about was the introduction of, uh, what do you call it, distress calls. But they don't work quite in the way that we'd want them to work. That's the kind of thing. So you see them on the map. Oh, there's a distress call. I'll go and have a look. But it doesn't interrupt your game because you're in the area of a distress call enough. Um, I think when they made the choice to go down text rather than having sort of animated or acted uh, interactions. I just got interdicted there. Brilliant. I'm doing a tourist run and I've just been... (laughs) Can you imagine, um, you know, do you remember the I Bring Friends video? Yeah, and yeah. how that starts, where, you know, the commander's flying along, and all of a sudden they get this message up on screen saying, yeah, help us, help us, we're being attacked. And then, you know, you go in and it's like, yeah, what do you bring in? And it's like, I bring friends! Uh, and then you go off and, you know, fight the, uh, bring down the Federal Corvette. But that initial alert message, or something along those lines, is really what we need to... Well, you, you- uh, you know, you know the, when you went and scanned the black boxes on things, oh. like the wrecks and stuff, and then you got the sort of audio logs? That's what you want from a distress signal. You should come up in your comms as a distress signal's been received, and then you play it, and then you decide from that what you hear, whether or not you want to get involved. <laughs> Something's on my sh- Right, yeah, you're on your own, mate. Um, I'm no coming. Uh, sorry. Catch you later. Bye! Yeah, Clinton's on the to divert people's attention away from their... Um, 
trade run or whatever it is, it needs to be something that, oh my goodness, I have to go and see this to break them out of that routine, I guess. Um, I, I do like the idea of having a, a message that pops up. Um, but then on the other hand, you then have the risk of, well, if you're not online when it happens and you wanted to join in, how do you then ensure you get the chance to join in, if you see what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's why, and that's why I think I would rather something that when you show up in the, you know, in the vicinity that this is dynamically generated for you. You know, it doesn't need to be a server push. It's like, help, you know, the Thargoids are attacking Lay Station. Okay, well, anyone who is... Anyone who shows up in that... Nobody <laughs> gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, well, anyone who shows up in that sort of multiple lightyear bubble from Lave Station, plus, I agree with you, Grant, that anyone who's friendly or allied with the Lave networks, you know, they should, as soon as they log in, if the station is being attacked, they should get in a message that does interrupt them and is blatantly obvious, like, help, we're being attacked, come and save us. Uh, Guild Wars 2 tried a similar approach with mm -hmm. their dynamic event system, um, which you'd be running around the open world, sort of exploring, doing what you wanted, and then all of a sudden you'd see a village under attack by monsters, so you'd all just pile in and try and repel the invasion, and depending on how well you did, the monsters either run away or the village would be wiped out. So they did that, and the first time you come across it, it was great, because, hey, what's this going on? But then you realize it was on a cycle, and if you hung around for an hour, the same thing would happen again and again and again and again. So it's very difficult, I think, to try and make something feel real and urgent, and yet not have this kind of repetition element that almost presses the reset button. Well, that's the kind of weakness of procedural generation, isn't it? Mm. It's repetition. And I know that they try and avoid that with the likes of scenery. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what the solution is at all to that. It's one of those difficult ones that that's why they get paid to develop the game and we get, you know, not paid to moan about it. <laughs> so, well, yeah, exactly. But it's just one of those things. Where I would really, you know, we all would love that kind of interaction that kind of makes you feel that you are the hero. But I know that Chris Jarvis and Mr. Alan Stroud will completely poo-poo the concept of having heroes because it doesn't work in this. And who are we to say that we're anything special at all? I mean, we're just grinding pilots. That is actually one thing I do like about Elite is the fact you're not Han Solo or Luke Skywalker or whoever. You're not the hero. You're just a worm, basically. And you just have to make your, make your way being a worm. You're not a special snowflake. And I like that aspect of the game because it's refreshing. Yeah, I mean, it just avoids... And then, of course, everybody plays a part. It's kind of that... The, the, the one thing that I do regret or... I'm disappointed with this community goals um, because I just feel that they're a, a bucket filling exercise and there's no way for anyone to sort of actively stop a community goal. If you know what yes, I mean? It's, yeah, I do exactly. The, I think the first one, the war at Luff or Lau, have you pronounced it? That yeah, was a yeah, competing community goal, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and we have a competing one. I think they work very well. 
However, from what I've ascertained, that sort of community goal is quite complicated to set up. And um, they may be keeping it in hand for special occasions, shall we say? But, you know, for example, if you have a community goal for a trade one and a community game for a goal for pirating, then you'd get a competing pirates versus traders. But it doesn't, in the way that what you want is, hello, you're filling the buckets, and oh, and by the way, by our actions, we're emptying the buckets. Um, And that's what I think is is missing from Community Goals. But I think, you know, I think they're awesome. I think possibly they're making it too easy for the new pilots. I mean, did you get it handed to you in a plate? You could just go and drop one ton of stuff and end up with a million credits. (laughs) Now who's telling you? Back in my day, a million credits. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was i remember getting out my cobra was like i played for weeks to get a cobra and it was like a really achievement hey i got a cobra and then we had a bug where you got fired out of your docking port straight into the ceiling and you lost your cobra that's how i lost my first cobra boom no no got, um and i also, missed that bug no, that was a that was a cricket. It was relatively is that last year, where when you undocked, you got catapulted up across the station. It does oh. kind of open up a, a, a bigger question, though. Is we talk about the you know the earning rate of credits and stuff like that, and the question is, are credits and ships really a good measure of game progression? Because personally, I don't think they are. I think they should be an enabler not the end of something. How many elites do you have? Uh, four. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I mean, yeah. That's what someone with four elites would say. I'm going to actually agree with Shan there, because, you know, I've got no elites, although I am sitting here in a cutter that's relatively well-equipped. And I actually had more fun doing stuff for the truckers flying my vulture, which is... It's not a very expensive ship at all. Um, yeah, and I, I basically I took that cutter off to the war zones, helping the truckers out by killing truckers, which felt very, very wrong. Um, <laughs> and but I was doing that in my vulture, which is a fraction of the cost of a of a cutter. I mean, to demonstrate the point is how many people have cleared their save or started a new account and said, "Gosh, this is fun when it's early on in the game. I really miss this." Yeah, well, that's why I've never left. And that's you know, exactly that... right. So, you know, if you want your billions of credits and your elite to sell, go for it. You know, knock yourself out. But I don't think we should be measuring people's progress by how many elites they've got and how much money they've got. Because, as you were alluding to earlier, uh, Grant, it's who you know. It's what difference you make. It's how you contribute. And your circle of friends, that really, for me, makes a difference. It does, I mean, I've had the call of exploration, and then I've gone out, and then after about two or three weeks of exploring, I've wished I hadn't bothered. Um, Isn't that for because you go out in, like, giant orange dolphins or something? Or yellow dolphins? I pick a ship that doesn't have a particularly large jump range, and I get extremely disheartened very quickly when it's like, how many jumps have I got left to go for a thousand light years? 133. Actually, out of interest, uh, did you ever make it to Colonia? Yes. Okay, you did eventually get there. And then I blew up. 
And um, <laughs> that's what I mean. Did you actually dock and get to Colonia? Yeah, okay. I docked. My asp was well, it was still out there, but I sold it recently. Um, but yeah, I cried. I left my. I've asp heard that before as well, Grant. And voice attack. Um, yeah, picked the uh, free sidewinder. <laughs> <laughs> and abandoned, uh, yeah, abandoned everything out at Colonia. So within the space of two seconds, I arrived at Colonia, messed around for five minutes, and was already back at the beginning. Oh no! Fortunately, uh, voice attack did not wipe my save because that would have just been heartbreaking as well. Um, because that's the one thing Elite's got right is you do get attached to your commanders. That's uh, a definite positive, and I think you know with ship names it doesn't add that to your ship, and I'm not sure if that horse has bolted. I don't think we're ever going to have that kind of ownership of a ship unless the name was a sort of more permanent kind of uh, feature. That sort of ties back to what we talk about with XCOM isn't it? Because you, people get very attached to their NPC pilots and make own, their own little backstories and stuff like that, which is entirely fine. Um, I take a much more mercenary view of NPC pilots and I hire them when I come out and I sack them before I cash in. You know, no! My, my NPC for pilot is my friend and you know, I raise them up from from nothing. They're thieving gits, they're thieving gits is oh, what they are. Let me, I just like, oh, careful, I don't want to ram into these guys. That was close. Uh, let me have a look, actually, and see. Oh, I need to dock to see my NPC pilot's oh, salaries, his, don't I? His co-pilot's funeral. That, that's who you're Who did that? Here. Ben, you did. Did I? He oh, went, okay. He wore black for three weeks after his co-pilot died in a bug. Only to find out that they weren't really dead, that they'd pulled a rocket man last-minute save. Is that not right? Is that not right? Did you not go, you know, into I, I, I think there was a time when my NPC pilot got killed by skimmers, but Frontier resurrected her, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and um, you grieved, didn't you? you oh, I was! I was, upset. I was gutted. Because, uh, you know, if it's my fault, then at least it's my fault, but this was bloody skimmers that killed her. And it's just like, Okay, no! is, is anyone genuinely... The uh, Beast is asking why your frame rate is so shonky. It's because he's doing too much. Um, <laughs> that's why it is, Nick. Uh, oh, crikey, what's the other thing? The the that attachment to your your co-pilot, uh, and you didn't get to name them, but you because it's a it's a persistent thing. But I don't think we've got that kind of persistence with ships at the moment because it's no, too. Interchangeable. You just jump into a stock, you know, into a spaceport. You just jump into another ship, and it never really feels like you're getting back into your old uh, nuts and bolts. Uh, belongs to you, the, you know, the, the, the ship so, you want to. So, would you want unique ship names across the player base? So, I don't know. You have a ship called the Cow One or something, and no one else could have Cow One at all. And then, if your ship got blown up, you'd have to go to the Cow Two or something. Which is that the sort of mechanism you're talking about? Well, I don't. I mean, that would definitely add a value to it. But uh, if you think back to how they were, they were originally envisaging, envisioning, envisioning the uh, ship names was that that would be a ship that would have a reputation, 
and therefore the name could actually add value to the ship if there was a market for selling ships, which they were hoping there would be. I'd have liked a second-hand market, I really would have. Um, And that would have... Yeah, that would have added a connection to a ship that would have been a little bit more persistent because there's your, you know, there's your... It doesn't have to be unique, but, you know, an asp called the blah, blah, blah with a reputation of 10 is going to be more valuable to that commander. And when that ship's destroyed, the reputation's lost, you know, that kind of thing. So you've actually got something attached to that ship that makes it yours and it's a badge of honour. Just thinking actually back to Frontier, but how attached did you get to your crewmen in Frontier? I didn't. I just used to yeah. spam them until I got enough crew to take off my pants slipper <laughs> and, you know, that was mm-hmm. it. I, I'm still not particularly attached to my crew members now. I do wish, though, you could preview their voice, because getting one with a British accent is quite rare. I actually thought they just had two voices for them. Yeah, I thought there was one man, one woman voice. But no, no, you get them with okay. two British accents. And All right. If there's one NPC crew member behaviour that's guaranteed to get them fired as soon as they dock, is when they go, that's one for me, Commander, and they haven't fired a shot at them, and I've done all the work. I thought, no, you're off. <laughs> yeah, that annoys me as well. It makes me laugh. <laughs> you're heartless. Uh, yeah, so I've I've paid my crew crewman, um, actually I suppose technically crewwoman, uh, honesty honesty Fernandez, and she's gotten twenty one million out of me now, and I've got some other woman who's had uh, she's only had three hundred fifty thousand out of me. So in your stats, if you're in game at the moment, uh, yeah, then, how much money have you given crew members overall? This should be on your oh, stats. Oh, it'll be on my stats page. Let me just go and have a look. Okay. Oh, pretty funny. Um, Paul Archer, yeah, I agree. I think uh, Sean has uh, opened up the 33 equivalent of the McDonald's with zero hour contracts. Uh, <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> um, it's even better if you cash in, bef- if you sack them before you cash in, because then they don't take any money at all. <laughs> you really are heartless, aren't you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's have a look and see. Smuggling, where is this then? Mining, exploration, passengers. Oh, I've had two disgruntled passengers, apparently. Uh, crew, here we go here. Crew credits earned 37 million. Uh, that's not what I'm looking for, though, is it? Where do I see my how much I've paid the buggers? No, that is how much they've earned, I think. That is how much they've earned. Okay, so they've earned 37 million, apparently. So... Okay, I've, I've fired two and I've killed ten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do try not fired to lose three, my crew. Fired one, and I've lost two. Okay, okay so I've, fifteen million. I've hired thirty-seven crew. I've fired thirty-three kit crew. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost two. But my credits earned, or they've earned off me, is nine hundred and fifty-one million. My goodness! Hang on, they've uh, you keep getting rid of them, and they still earn nine hundred million off you. Yeah. That doesn't even cover the funerals. That's the, that's I was gonna say, what's my total balance? Yeah, I think that's probably more money than my entire You can be a crew member if you like, Ben. Um <laughs> where can I see that? I don't hold out for your job <laughs> longevity, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> Um can I not see my you know, my current 
Yes, top, top yeah. of that statistics yeah. Oh, the gun and my current assets are actually 1.8 billion. Okay. Oh. Very good. Uh, yeah, so aren't you, aren't you at Game Max or something at the moment? Apparently I've spent three billion on uh, outfitting. Three billion? Blimey Yeah, I've not got three billion. I've never earned Aye. three billion. Hey, so I spent 1.8 billion on outfitting. It, yeah, it counts if you if you sell a module and then you buy a module. It doesn't deduct the amount you sold it for. It just adds on the amount you, you bought it for. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting sort of uh, sign that you do jump and, and, and move modules around a lot, which I do. Because I'm never happy. Yeah. So, do you not? I mean, what I've started doing now is basically I just store everything rather than you know get rid of it. I've run out of module storage. I'm oh having God. to buy anacondas <laughs> and put my, my modules on anacondas. Can't you just like go to the next station over and store things there as well? I think you're limited to sixty modules, aren't you? Oh, in total across all stations. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. Oh, I might have to start being careful then. I'm not quite there, but I'm I'm That's getting closer. Got to be the epitome of far too much wealth where you're buying anacondas <laughs> for module storage aren't you using that's anacondas as like, you know I've how people use cupboard them. space I'll just buy a new house <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah yeah as, as Ben alluded to before bookmarks came out I used to well I had a I had a system where I'd bookmark I'd, say I'd buy certain ships to denote certain things. So if it was a trade ship, I'd buy a Type 9 to say this is a trade route, or I'd buy a whatever. So yeah, I used to buy anacondas as bookmarks. <laughs> Gold bars in your books at home, is it? <laughs> it's just, library. just ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's a sign of how well you've played the game oh, and, yeah. you know, the level of experience and, and money that you've made in the game, which is a credit to you. And again, I think based on the amount of time you've put in, it's it would be very bad if you hadn't earned a fortune. I'm just, I'm just tight. It's, I, if I brought, I just don't like having to pay the 10% loss on selling a ship. So, if I buy a ship, I keep it. It's cheaper to keep it than it is to sell it and lose the money. Okay. Yeah, I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> I think it's one of those things, if you can get the time to play this game, you can do an awful lot. Uh, and if you don't get the time for it, you just have to chip away and get there eventually. Right. But do you wanna, can you make me embarrassed, Chan? What is your approximate time played? Approximate time played? Oh, um, hang on. Uh, twenty-six weeks. Okay, so you're twelve weeks more than me, but just <laughs> on on this on this account on this account. I don't know. Yeah. What it is on my uh, yes, I'm I'm sitting at fourteen weeks, and I'm nowhere near. But then I'm not too tried. In in my mitigation, um, I do sometimes AFK at a station and, and scan the mission boards stuff. So it's not twenty-six weeks flying around. Some of that time is actually sitting in the station. Oh well, then it doesn't count. You just you know, you're just yeah. Totally that's my that's my justification. Is there anything else about two point four that we're wanting to talk about? Um, just wondering. Well, we had a whole lot of we had a whole lot of ship notes, didn't we? About exploration and we did stuff have like stuff that. that we're going to talk about ship about exploration and things like that. I 
I'm just noticing it's about te it's about ten past ten, even though we did start half an hour late. So I'm not in a yeah, I'm not in a rush to finish things on, but I'm just wondering if there's anything else that we're wanting to talk about with you know with two point four and exploration and you know things like that. Well, there's a couple of things. Well, we mentioned the twenty thousand light year jump range. Um, but there's a couple of bits and pieces that I thought were quite interesting. Like, you can now refill your life support using iron and nickel. Yeah, that's just weird. I mean, you know, I could I could understand that you'd refill your your life support by going off into a like an, an asteroid field and you know, scooping up frozen ice and you know getting the the hydrogen and the oxygen. You know, that would make sense to me, but what the hell do you do with iron and nickel? I've got no idea. Uh, obviously, I did some research on this because it intrigued me later, uh, earlier on this afternoon. And apparently, um, you can liberate... I'm not a chemist, so if I get this wrong, excuse me, but apparently you can liberate the oxygen and, and iron oxide or nickel oxide to produce air. So there's a certain chemical process using those two elements as catalysts that enable you to generate um, oxygen. And is that easier than melting an ice melting an ice cube? Yes. Yes. That's a heat source. You can use a chemical source. Because what would you burn in order to uh, melt your ice, Ben? Could you not just heat it up using your, your beam laser or something? Or your mining laser? But then it would just evaporate, wouldn't it? it mm. Yeah, so I think, I think it's obviously they've put an awful lot of thought into being able to carry uh, enough, depending on how much air, a smaller quantity. So how much ice would you need to compete with a cube of the uh, mats for it? Yeah, I'd actually, you know, I'd love if that's really the case. I'd love them to come out and say that and explain the science on it because that's really kind of awesome if it is. And, and and also, I did some more research, and apparently, someone travelled from the bubble to Colonia with their life support turned off, just refreshing the life support each way. But in um, but in just. Peter, in in well, beta, they went from okay. the bubble to Colonia. They turned the life support off, and they just kept using iron and nickel to uh, refresh their air supply all the way from the bubble to Colonia, which I thought was quite cool. That's quite spectacular, isn't it? It's, I mean, this is the stuff that we talk about, the meta game, where people make their own fun. And, you know, that's one of those kind of crazy, crazy things that, that mental, a trucker would do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That really appeals to me. I really like that idea. I think that's really... No, I, like, I like that idea as well. You, you like death race, wouldn't it? You, you, run, out of, <laughs> you run out of air, that's it. <laughs> don't, don't get caught in this sidewinder. Flying your ships with your monitors off. Or I guess you could have uh, someone shoot your canopy out and you could try and get to the other side with no canopy. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's, I think that's you know that's the the, the nice thing about um, the game is that there are so many bizarre ways of taking what they've put in and abusing it to your own means. 
One thing I did see actually in the show notes was this Operation Daedalus lift, which I didn't know about, but that intrigues me. So I don't know if that's one of yours, Ben, or... That's something that I was reading about and following along with, yeah, because that's absolutely... It's a shame the way it wound up, but the idea behind Operation Daedalus lift was that Commander Obdurate Woe basically... You know, we've all we've all seen SRVs being lifted up by anacons or something like that, uh, and you know maybe you know if you get a if you get a kilometre above the ground you consider yourself lucky. These guys basically lifted him in his SRV all the way up into a Coriolis station, um, and he did go through the docking port and you know they basically they were. You know how you, you'll do, like, Sidewinder tennis or something like that and knock a Sidewinder into the docking port? They were doing that to get his his SRV into the docking port of the Coriolis. Um, and then he was trying to drive around the, you know, the, the station. Because you know there's roads and everything like that in the stations, don't you? Yeah. He, he wanted to be a yellow truck, basically. Yeah. And who, who can blame him for that? But... It sounds like what basically happened is he got through the door, but the station is treating him like an S of like a fighter or something like that, not like a real ship. So the station's Coriolis effect didn't actually affect his um, SRV, sadly, which then wound up with him clipping through the station, and he basically got stuck in the walls, unfortunately. Um, with a very weird effect. You, you know how sometimes you can glitch so that you're in between yeah. the docking bay part of the station and the outside of the station? So his, his SRV basically ended up there. Um, it took them, I think it took them about nine hours or something like that to actually get him <laughs> from planet side up to the station. But I think that's awesome that they managed to do that. You know, it's oh, a yeah, shame the way it worked, but it's awesome. I was just but wondering, was looking watched. at the show... Sorry, I'll carry on. Oh, you know, you can't, you're right. No, I was, I was wondering, because in the show notes, there's, uh, there's some names here, and there's a, a, a boopist and a backup boopist, and I'm wondering what a boopist is. I, I think, although I'm not entirely sure, we, uh, we've got chief boopist as well. Um, I think a boopist, though, is somebody who basically boops the SRV in the direction that you're wanting it to go. And potentially to catch it as well. Although they did have catches, didn't they? Um, yes, so you know you'll, you'll be you'll be hitting the SRV to make it go in the direction, and then you might have to you know hit it again to manipulate that trajectory appropriate in an appropriate way. Well done, you crazy bunch of boopers! It's absolutely mad, and I love it. I think that's awesome, and it's, it's a good little video YouTube? as well. That, it? It's on Twitch that they were doing it, and there is a Twitch clip for it as well. Uh, it's not, and Could that'll be linked in the show notes. Will, yeah, we'll stick it in the show oh, notes. Oh, so that's in the show notes. Yeah. There's been uh, some debate over the oxygen again. Nickel and iron is oxygen-free and not an oxide, and uh, of various different things. Um, it does look like there would be more oxygen in silicate rocks, according to Stephen Usher. There's a huge long thread on the forum where people are discussing it. Um, I'm not a chemist at all, but uh, yeah, interesting. But then again, Stephen Usher also basically started the Thargoid War by telling us to go and put Guardian objects into the ancient machine. Yeah, don't thingy. listen to him. He's so, a troublemaker. You know. I saw him with a hammer. He assaulted a small horse with a horn. 
I saw that video as well. That was very, very silly. Well, if he's a closet hammer, that kind of explains everything, really. He's a trained geologist. Ooh. So we give Stephen some homework to try and explain how we can change nickel and iron. Oh, God, if we're going to start doing homework, I'm going to have to get a letter from my mum. No, it's Stephen Usher is what I'm talking about. No, we're homework. giving out the homework to Stephen. Oh, I, see, I know, but okay. Still. I'll get a note just in case. <laughs> <laughs> talking about the uh, the stuff, also one of the big, well, it's not a controversies, but uh, people have been talking about um, heat sink synthesis and using non-natural resources. Yeah, what are the, so what were they using? Can you remember? Um, well, there's a group of people who said, well, actually, we should make heat sinks from materials you can find around on the planet. Um, but Frontier's position said, well, we want you to do some pre-planning for your exploration trips and don't want to be entirely self-sufficient. So we're going to, I think it's heat conduction wiring or something like that they need to, to sink heat sinks. That idea makes it, sense I mean, to me. They're using a lot of, uh, you know, it's nice because they're using a lot of science and, and you know, science and, and current knowledge and projections of that to come up with these ideas. And it's great that the community can get involved with people like Stephen Usher as uh, geologists and chemists and they can get in there and argue something that they know and argue against Frontier, who seemingly have done their homework. And it's just lovely to see it, you know. And, and again, uh, every time you see there's another update from NASA and they've discovered another planet, and you're sitting there going, yep, yeah, it's got my name on it. I found it. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you, Grant. I think that is cool how it sparks an informed and educated debate amongst the community. Because, And it's not just, oh, it doesn't make sense why Frontier have done this. Well... Yes, the science may not make complete sense, but there's a theory behind it which is worth exploring. Yeah, and then again, in 20, you know, 30 years, was how when they're proven to be right. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, that's the bit that's exciting, is the fact that they're, they're, they're not just fabricating some hand-wavium again, um, which, of course, you know, sometimes in gameplay you have to, but they're not. They're basing it somewhere in the realms of scientific knowledge and that's great because it does yeah as you say these debates are amazing it's it's wonderful to think people come home from work and then wouldn't normally get involved in a forum thread but it sparks it because it's something they know and therefore they get involved and then you get these wonderful uh, rich arguments with lots and lots of facts and stuff all chucked in there to try and convince us all that you know, who's the cleverest? Frontier or somebody else who's got an alternative? It's brilliant. Love it. Yeah, it is, yeah. I, I don't know if you uh, noticed, Ben. Did you notice the grey line in the beta on the galaxy map? I think I did, actually, yes. Yes. Because um, I, I didn't realise that until I'd been a couple of times. But, that, but that's actually your previous route. That's where you've been. Oh, right, okay. I don't think it's persistent. So I, from what I remember, it didn't exist past my logout session. But mm. you could see where your last set of jumps were by well, using the gray, that's using handy gray to know, line. Yes. Handy. Um, yeah. Where the hell did I find <laughs> crap? Where? Yeah, but yeah. if it's not persistent, though, then you might. Well, I would lose it probably. 
I don't think it's persistent. Don't quote me on if it is or isn't. But when I logged out, logged in again, it didn't exist yeah. again. I think, I mean, Stephen Usher's making another point. I thought you were off to bed, Stephen. That, you know, you know how people go off and say, well, how many stars are in the galaxy? And, you know, the current official estimate, I think, is between 1 and 200 million. Uh, yet Frontier have gone off and said, well, in our galaxy, there's 400 million. Um, I would, I have to admit, you know, because, from what I understand, the way that we're currently guesstimating the number of stars is based on very incomplete data and we're you know there's huge swaths of the galaxy that we just can't see um and we're kind of guesstimating all that kind of stuff so i would not be massively surprised if when we eventually can count the number of stars in the galaxy it turned out to be something closer to 400 million just because that's what looks right in stellar forge well, there was an article in PC Gamer uh, earlier on the week where mm. they have a revised estimate of how much of the galaxy we've actually explored. All right, aye. Um, yeah. Now, um, she, she, sorry, Cam. No, I'm just remembering, I think it was 0.0001. Uh, yeah, that's what it used to be, isn't it? On a, yeah, it's not... They're basing on EDSM, which is the third-party tool which kind of tracks where people go. So, obviously, it doesn't include where console players have been and people aren't running the tool. Um, but basically, the updated figure is 0.003941%. And at the current rate, which the system has been discovered, it'll only take uh, 56,206 years. Is that all? Might even be able to fly around the galaxy in that time as well. Yeah, probably engineers. Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's gone up quite a bit since last time, but we're still a long, long way. <laughs> yeah, but there's nothing to do, remember. <laughs> stars, you'll be asleep. Yeah, Stephen, <laughs> I was just thinking that the current team in Sandro are not from scientific backgrounds. True. Um, well, but they are, not. you know, they yeah, they're they're acting on good sound basis and and bringing in the kind of expertise when required. So, as far as I've seen, anyway, in the past, uh, what they're doing now, they might well just be throwing a dart at a dartboard <laughs> or watching some decent science fiction on the telly and going, "Oh, that's a good idea." Oh, oh, we've we've been to Frontier Towers and they have like the Wheel of Fortune where they spin <laughs> it. They're using oh docking <laughs> darts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is there anything else we're wanting to talk about? We've got... Oh, do you want to mention the newsletters or should we not bother? Or was well, there They're two weeks ago, so... There, kind of we've, got two, news, we've got two, new, two newsletters to go for. Is there anything in them that you're wanting to, you're wanting to cover? Nah, go on to, go on to the fun stuff, Sajji. Go on to the stuff. Sajji. Uh, I've not had a chance to read this yet, have you, Grant? I've had a quick flick through, but it is the format was a bit tricky for me to use on the device I was currently on at that point. Oh right, okay. Um, it was so on my phone, and I just couldn't quite get it to load. So, so what is Sagittarius I? It's a community-made magazine with, you know, news stories. It's got uh, gameplay. It's got. Um, some created stories as well, sort of uh, written by, well, basically what you call fan fiction. It is a whole ton of entertainment for the wayward commander to enjoy. 
and they're still looking for you know they are looking for writers and contributors to get in touch with them as well so that they can have more and more so well, if you are this to be like a periodical kind of idea yeah just kind of like a sort of side uh, coloration for the game right uh, so if you want to yeah, well, if you want to chronicle... You, no, just it may well just be me, because, you know, that's the way I have things at the moment. Uh, but if you want to chronicle your commander's uh, adventures into a kind of short fictional piece, then, you know, there... And you can write something decent, and obviously they're looking for quality, um, then you may well find that you'll be welcome to submit. And um, if you've got a player faction, I'm pretty sure they'll be interested in news and stories that you've running as well, so... So how often yeah. are they trying to release it? Really? Um, I'm not sure, actually. Um, it was only about two or three weeks ago that they got in touch saying they were thinking about it, but they didn't have any more details, and they were going to get back to me with some of the details. Uh, I would expect it would be surprising if it was weekly, because that's a hell of a burden, so I would expect it to be mon- monthly at least. Yeah, I'd be expecting it to be monthly at least as well, I guess, but... Yeah, I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at my frame rate and looking at my you know, poor OBSs, saying, "What the hell are you doing to me?" Even though, oh no, actually, I'm dropping some frames now as well, which I wasn't doing earlier. Um, I've, started, I've started dropping some frames now as well. I've noticed. Um, it's a so monthly, monthly. Is it, mon- monthly. it is monthly. Yes. The shiniest content from the star writers and artists of the galaxy. And if I remember correctly, I believe Mr. Phoenix Defire is hoping he's going to get something in the next episode, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I believe he's been posing for page three pictures. Ooh, okay. What an image. Is page three better than cubicle three? (laughs) Oh, God. Please, no. (laughs) Yeah, Colin in a mankini, I think he'd suit that. Probably more than I would. Oh yeah, that's it. That's it. You get next week, next month. It'll be Colin, and then month after it'll be me and Ben. <laughs> that was <laughs> the last episode I ever published. <laughs> God, God, that would just be. You know, very I, I love it. I love seeing the community again. Is the another example of the community who have stories that they want to tell. It's that age-old. I played Elite back in 1984, and I used to imagine my own stories. Now I want you all to suffer them. Um, <laughs> syndrome. And it's awesome, because some of them are brilliant. I know that uh, Colin writes about the Sanctimonious and his uh, Scottish crew, and it's brilliant. So, yeah, check it all out. Go and check out Sagittarius I. That's E-Y-E, by the way, in case, you know, with my Scottish accent, you're thinking it's Sagittarius I. I assume the link will be in the show notes afterwards. It will be, yes, it definitely will be. Uh, Assume away. Yeah, well, we know what happens if you make assumptions. Um, right. Indeed. Are we wanting to say about anything else? Um, uh, I know well, you've got this thing about the Hutton Orbital. Now, I have oh, some news as well in regards yes. to radio, uh, radio. Because if you don't know, we did have a 24 hour radio stream and it was music and all kinds of stuff. And then we relaunched it just a couple of months ago. We now have in the process of being released uh, over the next couple of weeks at some point. I'm not entirely sure when it's going to happen, but it's been submitted to iOS. We're hoping to have a Lave Radio app. Now, what that will mean 
is you will be able to listen to the station much easier through its own dedicated app. Uh, so the stream quality will be excellent. It will also archive it. You'll also have links to all of our content and RSS feeds uh, within that so that you can get all the latest and listen live if you're out and about. And uh, yeah, t- to to kind of bring that nice compactness to it. Uh, so that's hopefully going to be out over the next couple of weeks. And talking about strange apps, there's also the amazing app by the Antarius Fayosian for the Hutton Truckers, which plugs into ED, ED Market Connector. EDMC, yeah. EDMC, and it logs all your missions and everything that you do and contributes and has allowed us to have an amazing uh, way of tracking what our faction players have done. Um, so we can have a, every week we can have announced so the top number of missions that a, a character, one of our our members, has run, and we have a, yeah, it's been amazing to see some of them are ridiculous, you know, hundreds, you know, twenty odd thousand missions in a week. You're like, yeah, right. Um, but no, you know, the stats the stats don't lie much. Uh, just a little bit, and um, <laughs> that's at uh, hot.forthemug.com. If you're a trucker, then you've not used that, then go and get yourself a hold of it, because I think our future events are going to involve using that for verification, because it's a bloody useful tool. Yeah, it certainly looks... It's a lot better than just scribbling it down on on pen and paper. Um, and I know, you know, I was... Actually, I was actually most glad, because as, as I've not hidden a few uh, in the past i'm not a massive fan of finding things ever again in facebook um and i yeah. I, I keep losing what general Noxy vegas is telling the truckers to do i have to admit so the idea of just being able to go to one place and have the general's orders saying yeah what i actually want you to go off and do is a bit dodgy but i need you to go and kill truckers in this war zone well, we talked about earlier about how we can improve the story experience for Thargoids and stuff, but mm-hmm. it seems like we've got a tool here that would be ideal for it. So if the game doesn't provide that, you know, general emergency or distress call facility, it would seem this app here could be used for it, for your faction. Well, th- this is just general, this is not Noxy <laughs> typing things in, isn't it, though? It's well. It's it's a it's a, a sort of what you would call. It uses the database of scraped data from said scraped. You know, I mean, acquired data through the API legitimately um, that the market connector does. So when you, it also then uses your journal file as well as a pilot. So it just grabs the information. So when you sell your food, you sell your your goods. It'll note that that's a sale. It'll note where you've sold it. It'll note if you run a mission. It'll cash in. It'll know who you've cashed it in for, who gained from your mission. So it knows when you're running missions for Hutton and when you're running them against. And then it creates the automatic stats. Now, the one thing where it's really handy is, obviously, if you are a player faction and you have multiple systems where you're active, it's bloody hard to keep track of the percentages of influence. So you have to get people to fly around these systems and then they have to sit there and look at the system map and then write it into a spreadsheet. Nope, not anymore. They just fly to the system, the app scrapes the data for them and then they jump into the next system and it will tick it off the list automatically, meaning that you have very little um, effort for any manual work and that is exactly what we were trying to do because uh, 
commander uh, Nocte Vegas has some pretty unpleasant issues in his life that he has to deal with and we're trying to take the burdens and help make the job easy for him and for anybody else that wants to get involved with the background sim and just wondering how yeah obviously it's tied in for the truckers but how hard would it be for it to work for other player groups and things like that or is it too too customised for the truckers I have asked. I have asked the uh, developer. Uh, right. Developer and liar fusion. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he's about, and I'm not sure that he wants this to be public knowledge. But um, apparently, it is fairly easy. <laughs> and I'll leave it there. So it has been built with portability in mind. However, how that portability becomes a reality, we don't know yet. But it's not something that the truckers are looking to create something so unique that it can't be used by other factions at some point. So all the work he's putting in is amazing. Um, I know we had the trucker tractor by yeah. Mike Snoswell beforehand that kind of ran out of steam. Um, but that, again, had more of a community aspect to it. So I think you're right, Sean. If, it, if we could find the... Because the apps, the third-party apps, have made the game much, much richer. The star map um, database where it logs, you know, it just... The commander log as well. So you're, you're right, maybe somebody can press a, a background, a, a wee sort of BGS sim button that you press, and it will send a signal out to all the commanders running their app with a big huge whoop, 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 Thargoid attack, invasion, turn up here, and that would be epic. At the moment, through that website, the hotforthemug.com website, it um, allows us to sort of condense the instructions based on the stats so it almost tells you automatically what to do and then has room for general orders to go up so that truckers know what to do where to go sorry i'm just i'm See, this I'm, is where i'm thinking that i know oh there is you you so edsm is obviously designed to be run behind elite but i know i've yes. got a i've got a module for edsm that basically produces an overlay for Elite so that when you can jump into a system it'll actually say it'll it'll read the full stats of the system and it'll colour it and say in the warning in this system five commanders have not made it to the station or something like that. And I'm wondering if something could be done using that overlay system to generate alerts for you. Is that not? No, no, that's a voice attack thing, isn't no, it? There's no, no, it's there might be a voice attack thing. Independently, huh. I think it can run independently of voice attack too, and it does the whole system stats and whether or not you're carrying one. You know, it can give you your system report mm -hmm. as well. So, I think yeah, um, there's so many things that there's a little bit of duality here, then everywhere. But you're right, that sounds amazing. You need to get us a link to that one, Ben. Uh, I'll try and I'll find it. I, I, let me just see if I've got it turned on. Um, I might not even have it turned on anymore. Uh, oh, worry about it later. Let's. I'm getting distracted, and we've got a show to do, haven't we? Yes. Right. Is there anything else we wanted to mention in the show? We've we've covered the. We've covered 2.4. We've covered Daedalus Lift. We've covered. Well, we've agreed not to cover the newsletters. We've covered Sagittarius I. Um, yeah, we'll, do, we'll, we'll just we'll chuck out a feeder because obviously I think we'll carry over the expiration till next week and maybe we can get some 
because unless you're wanting to get into it, but I think we're kind of a bit close on time. I think so we, we just throw throw yeah throw yeah. The, uh, the tags out there, and then if this if this gets your goat, if this gets your backup, then uh, yeah, hot dot for the mug dot com wing gin pom h o t dot four f o r t h e m u g dot com and that'll help you um we were talking about exploration and we saw there was an awful uh, i say an awful lot at least two or three of our colleagues uh, found uh, a chance to do an old forum dad now i don't know where you are in this particular argument shan we were going to find out tonight we'll have to find out next week um but exploration with 20k light year range plotting uh, with being able to find your way back with the nice little grey lines, with being able to navigate by neutron stars, by finding your sort of fuel points, has Frontier made exploration for dummies a reality? Have they made it too damn easy? Is exploration completely undermined by the ridiculous nature of these tools? hand-walking you to the other side of the galaxy and almost autopiloting you there. Do you want the answer now or to wait for next week? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, short, the short answer is no, because you don't have to use it. The longer answer is exploration has always been easy so long as you, abl- uh, you know, applied certain rules. So exploration has never been difficult unless you talk about the extreme stuff like taking a sidewinder to Beagle Point or getting to Colonia without refueling. But in general, exploration has never been difficult. It's always been about your tolerance for repetition and that. But that's my personal view. So it's an optional it's an optional quality of life, and you don't have to use it. Um, but it does come with some side effects, which you need to bear in mind, which I think is what we'll come on to next week. Yeah, it's one of those things where people are feeling, again, it's kind of like when, if you can remember way back when the Gamma went to live and a number of people went out there and they plotted and scraped the data from the background, found out where all the rares were, and then went off on a trading run and made billions in trade runs and made elite in trade ranking very, very quickly as a result. So I know a few people that, and then suddenly, boom, that gets nuked and fixed. And you then have a max quantity on rares, which kills that particular trade exploit. And then it becomes extremely difficult for everybody joining the game at that point to make money. And that went on for a number of, you know, a number of updates, actually. And then suddenly it began to get a bit easier as trade got a little boost. The thing is, though, what I always say about those people, credit, yeah, yeah, we well, can go on with this, but um, my my view is with credits is who are you competing against? Your your credits does it really matter? You're exactly if you right. Have billions or a hundred million, as long as you're having fun, as long as you're enjoying the game and playing with your friends, it doesn't matter if you got ten credits or ten billion credits. Exactly. Alan Stroud and I know Chris Jarvis totally and utterly agree with that concept. You know, if you skip ahead to 2 billion credits by using an exploit, you're only cheating yourself out of gameplay and fun. 
that's the only thing you're losing. Yeah. So if you spend your game staring behind you and looking at what everyone else is doing and they're getting an easier run of it, you're missing the point. You're not looking at what you've done and what you've enjoyed. So we'll be back. We'll do that. If you've got any points on the exploration and whether or not it's been made easy or what should be done with exploration to make it more rewarding even, then we want to hear from you. So send your emails to info at laveradio.com. And let us know if you fancy coming on for a chat, then absolutely let us know and we'll maybe get you to record some audio to see whether or not you're be well <laughs> if we can understand you. Um that that goes out to Mr. Winard. I think he's got a lifetime ban to leave radio, hasn't he? Ben? I think he probably does, to be honest. Um I, mean, I, I know I think Yeah. I know. Usually, we just you know we just have to play the intro and he falls asleep. So I'm not really that worried. <laughs> What's that noise? Oh, that's just one of these falling asleep in. Um, so it's one of those things. Where if you want to get in touch, you fancy being on the show, then do get in touch. We do want to hear from you. If you are an explorer, you know, uh, what do you think? Do you feel that they've undermined all your hard efforts or not? So that's the kind of thing that are being thrown around by people and we want to try and debunk that or and also just take a moment to have a look and see what would make exploration even better seeing as you know we shouldn't always be negative let's have a positive in there yeah, yeah I mean, maybe I, uh, maybe yeah. chip in your explore your the wonders you've found exploring you know what's your most memorable exploration moment something like that that could be, I mean, you know, we've got we've got achievements, and obviously, when you find something in space, you get to be labelled as its discoverer if you find it first. Um, maybe we could come up with some kind of new futuristic way of graffitiing things, so you find a gigantic alien monument and you get to put your tag on it. Grant, have you not seen people drawing willies in the galaxy map and things like that already? Yes. Okay, oh. it's, it's not just me who's seen that. That is, that is the cause of the Thargoid War. You realise that the Thargoids looked at where we've been going, saw a giant phallus across the galaxy, and thought, well, that's it, we had enough. Yeah, that's enough of that. They're not going to make fun of us anymore. And they're pointing it right at us as well. Just if you follow. No, no, no. No, no just no, 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 no. <laughs> right. Any more for any more? I think that's a, I think I'm done. <laughs> I can sit back. Yeah. Are, are you spent? <laughs> and, with, spent yeah. and with that image, <laughs> and with that image, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email us on info at laveradio.com. We're on Facebook at slash Lave Radio. We are at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join join us on Discord by going to tinyurl.com slash lavechat. We're also on TeamSpeak, um, which is on teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. I want to thank the commanders in and around um, Lave Station, who is... Commander August Dark, uh, Bograt, Crap Pilot, Eatra Shoes, Paul Archer, and Sergeant Sloth. Uh, they're the ones who are still with me, at least. And I want to thank Shan and Grant for joining us. And if you guys could just talk amongst yourselves for a couple of minutes and say goodnight to folk. Goodnight. Goodnight.
while, while you fix up your end, end music is that what you're trying to do I have no idea what you're talking about time. what do you mean <laughs> yes thank you very much oh, bye academic dust good to see you and everyone pilot thanks for joining us and giving us your comments Shan it's been an absolute joy uh, having you on tonight thanks very much it's been a pleasure to come uh, yeah, here's to many more well, potentially yeah right well thank you very much guys and good night playing Garrett News now but my mouse has literally just decided to die <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it I can, I, I can let me see if I can navigate my computer purely using my keyboards <laughs> if, you, if you want I can, I can, I can fire it up <laughs> if you want to fire it up you can do that then Grant okay it'll be down in here bum 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 Right, give me a second. I'll just change screen because I'm going to have to kill the feed. I've got to go into Hutton for a second. Sorry, Hutton, that was your feed just cutting off. And I can just bring up the right screen. Here it I, I, I've got it now, Grant. Oh, you got it. I got you sure? It. I'm ready to go. So am I. Here we go. Galnet News Digest, 12th of September 3303. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Organ of the Empire spreads fake Federation facts. Commander Luna investigates. The first ever Pilots Federation bounty issued. Organ of the Empire spreads fake Federation facts. The Empire has been accused of disseminating false news stories after incorrectly announcing that the Federation has withdrawn its blockade of the Palin Research Centre. 
The Federation has had a Farragut-class battlecruiser stationed above Professor Palin's base in Maya A3A for more than a year. The Imperial Herald, which is widely believed to be a mouthpiece for the Empire, announced this week that the battlecruiser had been quietly withdrawn and used the withdrawal as an opportunity to crow over the Federation's lack of success in gaining control of meta-alloys in the sector, but also to suggest that the Cold War between the major powers might be coming to an end. Professor Palin is quoted as saying he was glad the blockade had been lifted, which is odd. If he glances upwards, he can see that the FNS Perseus is still stationed a few kilometres directly above his base and is every bit as unwelcoming to visitors as it has always been. Why is the Empire spreading false information? What can be gained from sowing confusion? Is the Imperial Herald in the hands of the Thargoids? We deserve the truth. Commander Luna investigates. Super Sleuth Commander Luna of the Frontier Support Wing is investigating a distressing lack of Thargoids. Thargoid interdictions have been a feature of the galaxy for several months, with the expectation widely held that the Thargoids have been becoming bolder and more likely to intervene. In fact, there was a time when some commanders were being hyperdicted five or more times in succession. In the last few weeks, however, there have been no reported hyperdiction incidents. Commander Luna, deerstalker firmly planted on her head and magnifying glass in hand, has taken a commission to find out where all the Thargoids have gone. As she set out on her investigation, she made the interesting observation that we can all safely bet our left butt cheeks that the Thargoids will be back with a vengeance very soon indeed. As commanders need to sit down to pilot their spaceships, and as butt cheeks make sitting down significantly more comfortable, we do hope Commander Luna is right. First ever Pilots Federation Bounty issued. The Pilots' Federation recently announced its intention to start issuing bounties against particularly naughty commanders. True to its word, the very first such bounty has now been issued. Unexpectedly, the commander in question was also issued with a kill-on-sight order. The bounty was issued in response to an unprovoked attack on a hauler, piloted by a bewildered Dutch pilot, who is believed to have been a junior marketing executive in the Pilots' Federation. A Pilots' Federation spokesman briefly threatened to reset the ranks of all Pilots' Federation commanders to harmless in response to the attack, before admitting that this would probably be an overreaction. The kill-on-sight order, however, remains in place, but it is not clear whether the offer of a community paint pack for the bounty hunter who makes the kill will be honoured. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.
Galnet News Digest, 12th of September 3303. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Organ of the Empire spreads fake Federation facts. Commander Luna investigates. The first ever Pilots Federation bounty issued. Organ of the Empire spreads fake Federation facts. The Empire has been accused of disseminating false news stories after incorrectly announcing that the Federation has withdrawn its blockade of the Palin Research Centre. The Federation has had a Farragut-class battlecruiser stationed above Professor Palin's base in Maya A3A for more than a year. The Imperial Herald, which is widely believed to be a mouthpiece for the Empire, announced this week that the battlecruiser had been quietly withdrawn and used the withdrawal as an opportunity to crow over the Federation's lack of success in gaining control of meta-alloys in the sector, but also to suggest that the Cold War between the major powers might be coming to an end. Professor Palin is quoted as saying he was glad the blockade had been lifted, which is odd. If he glances upwards, he can see that the FNS Perseus is still stationed a few kilometres directly above his base and is every bit as unwelcoming to visitors as it has always been. Why is the Empire spreading false information? What can be gained from sowing confusion? Is the Imperial Herald in the hands of the Thargoids? We deserve the truth. Commander Luna investigates. Super Sleuth Commander Luna of the Frontier Support Wing is investigating a distressing lack of Thargoids. Thargoid interdictions have been a feature of the galaxy for several months, with the expectation widely held that the Thargoids have been becoming bolder and more likely to intervene. In fact, there was a time when some commanders were being high-predicted five or more times in succession. In the last few weeks, however, there have been no reported high-prediction incidents. Commander Luna, deerstalker firmly planted on her head and magnifying glass in hand, has taken a commission to find out where all the Thargoids have gone. As she set out on her investigation, she made the interesting observation that we can all safely bet our left butt cheeks that the Thargoids will be back with a vengeance very soon indeed. As commanders need to sit down to pilot their spaceships, and as butt cheeks make sitting down significantly more comfortable, we do hope Commander Luna is right. First ever Pilots Federation bounty issued. The Pilots' Federation recently announced its intention to start issuing bounties against particularly naughty commanders. True to its word, the very first such bounty has now been issued. Unexpectedly, the commander in question was also issued with a kill-on-sight order. The bounty was issued in response to an unprovoked attack on a hauler, piloted by a bewildered Dutch pilot, who is believed to have been a junior marketing executive in the Pilots' Federation. A Pilots' Federation spokesman briefly threatened to reset the ranks of all Pilots' Federation commanders to harmless in response to the attack, before admitting that this would probably be an overreaction. 
The kill on site order, however, remains in place. But it is not clear whether the offer of a community paint pack for the bounty hunter who makes the kill will be honoured. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.